Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's happening, guys? Happy Sunday, and thank you for joining. Another special episode of your welcome look. 277 is in the books, and coming up on today's show, I'm going to give you my instant reaction to a great night of fights. I'm going to talk about Amanda Nunes and her one-sided win in her title comeback. How about Brandon Moreno winning the interim flyweight belt and all the rest? Guys, let's get into it. Amanda versus Juliana, where should we begin? To put the appropriate amount of praise on Amanda, coming into this fight as the reigning 45-pound world champion who's going down a weight to reclaim what was once hers against the only kryptonite that she's ever found. To put praise on her that would be enough, even in that circumstance, was tough. We all have a hard time, including you guys, right? We say things that we, it's the strongest words we know. She's the best. She's the GOAT. She's the all-time. We, we, we do the best we can, but the words to describe the effectiveness, physically and now proven mentally, of Amanda, it's tough. The appropriate words are almost not created yet. What Amanda walked into tonight, okay, I made a prediction for you that she was going to lose the fight. And I made the prediction based on the fact of being a competitor and just sharing with you guys there's a massive difference when you're beaten. When strategies or skills overcome your strategies or skills, that is very different in a rematch setting than breaking mentally. The audience sees the physical, and that's all that the audience sees. That's all the announcers see. The locker room and the fellow athletes see the mental. For Amanda to come back with the spirit that she had, guys, partway through this fight, she was smiling. She was not laughing at Juliana. She was not being arrogant to the crowd. She was at a dogfight, but she was enjoying it. That's different. There's a rule in fighting. Now, Max Kellerman taught me this many, many years ago. And Max was just getting into MMA, but he's the aficionado in boxing. And Max simply told me, if a younger fighter stops an older fighter and they rematch, the younger fighter will stop him again only quicker. Now, that was roughly 2012 when he told me that. It could have been 2010. I didn't go back in time, but I did sure pay attention moving forward. And I have not seen, I am not aware of a time when that expression did not hold true until tonight. Until tonight. And I say that to try to add to the praise of Amanda because this was mental. 
Amanda didn't do anything tonight physically that was a whole lot different than the seven minutes prior. She threw left hand, she threw right hand, she moved her feet a little bit. Now, the takedowns were on point. Working off her back and defending some of those submissions. We had a son, Uma Plata, that was almost close a couple times, never to a submission, but there was potential there. There was opportunity for perhaps a reversal, which getting Juliana on top would have been very interesting. Would have liked to have seen that. But Juliana's greatest opportunity was to break Amanda. Her greatest opportunity is to go out there, hit her hard, hit her fast, right away, reinforce any doubts that Amanda has. And no matter how great the lioness is, she's a human being. She had doubt. What doesn't matter how she trained, doesn't matter how she prepared, who she did it with, or what she said in the in the pre-fight speech. She had doubt because she's a human. And Juliana need to get on her and start pushing those lungs. The lungs will control the mind. Believe me, when you get tired, your goals will change quickly. They will go from I'm going to stop this guy to I'm going to get to a decision. To I'm not even going to win the fight all the way down to I'm going to get out of here the first opportunity he has. The more tired you get, the more your mind will change right there in the spot. Amanda did the opposite. Amanda refused to go on top of Juliana. Now, I thought that was a mistake. There's a belief in this sport, and it only comes from the boxing community. The only people that get, but every team now has a boxing coach. Every team now has a kickboxing coach. That's a loud voice in the room. But it only comes from them that if you hurt somebody and they go down, let them back up. That is not a good idea. And if you've ever followed this sport, and don't tell me from 93 to 1997, okay? Post then, if you followed it in the modern era, that is a ridiculously bad strategy. If you hurt somebody and they go down, you get on top of them right now. You don't let them come up when they're wild and furious and they're fighting because they're a caged animal that's backed into a corner. You smother them and you pound them and you keep them there. But Amanda didn't do that. She let her up not once, not twice, but three times. It was a mistake. It was an error. She didn't pay for it. She didn't pay for it. But she obviously later in the fight agrees because she started taking the fight there. She started going for those takedowns that were impressive. To slip, to take somebody, no, no, no. Amanda found her range. She changed elevation and she blasted her. A lot of wrestlers come over the sport and they can't get a takedown. In wrestling, you you wrestle, you attack to your opponent. If your opponent is standing in place, you attack to it. If his foot never moves, you attack to the foot. You don't ever have to move the foot, you drag him down to the mat. In MMA to wrestle, you've got to go through them. Your opponent's feet are right here, you hit them and you knock them backwards. You have to go through the opponent. That's what Amanda did. That was a significant difference of why Juliana, the wrestler, never got on top and why Amanda did with each takedown that she got. One wrestled to the opponent and one wrestled through. Very important that you see that because if you are a future opponent of Amanda Nunes, you've got a lot of things to worry about. Can we agree on that? You're going to have to deal with that right hand. You're going to have to deal with that experience. You're going to have to deal with those lungs. Now you've got to deal with the takedowns. Who knew that? I mean, who knew that that was the way to deal with Amanda? Who knew that that was one more ring? Very impressive, guys. It was wildly impressive. Amanda ends up in the same spot in terms of what do you do now? Juliana was such a wonderful opponent. She really was. The best situation for these girls is to agree we're one apiece. Let's go to part three. One thing that Amanda did very, very well, and she captivated a lot of you, she put her excuse out to the public. 
And guys, she spread it. I mean, she had COVID during a pandemic, right? A lot of people, she had COVID. She had a knee that was hurt. She had a gym that was holding her back. She had a girl at her gym named Kayla Harrison that was getting attention. I mean, in all fairness, she put her excuse out. Boy, a lot of people listened to it. Got her an opportunity, sold herself an idea. And I only bring that to you because if Juliana Pena, you want to know what's next for either one of them that anyone gives a goddamn about? And for Amanda, you got two weight classes to spread. You still don't have the answer. And if you do come up with it, it's not one that you care about. It's not one that's going to be bankable. It's not one that's going to be at the end of the night. Best case scenario for these two is to realize we're opponents, we're competitors, and we're partners. I beat you, you had excuses. Now let me lay out my laundry list and go into part three. And guys, I understand that's not a perfect world. I'm sharing for you the best scenario because it's, it's always been this problem with Amanda is, is what do we do? Who's next? You've proven that you're so doggone good. It's an interesting thing for Juliana as well. If Amanda said, here's the 35 pound belt, take it back. I'm never coming back. I'm going to 45. We're having a different conversation. But it doesn't appear that that's what we're going to do. So now you do start having meaningful conversations with the bullet of, hey, you said you're coming to 35. You said that you could do this. How about now? It's one of those things. The iron is hot right now to call out Amanda and be the one to do it. For many years, whether it was Amanda or Cyborg, for many years, if we had a person that could fog a mirror and had access to something called the World Wide Web, they could become the number one contender. Now, disappointingly, and I've got my phone right down here, disappointingly, I'm very confident in telling you, nobody's done that. Nobody at 45 or 35 has called out Amanda. And they won't. So what do you do? If you're the lioness and you're a prize fighter and you like to make some money, but you got to get some attention, which means you have to have a worthy opponent, you got to build Juliana back up. That's my opinion. You got one stoppage. You got one decision. Both incredible fights. You go to the trilogy. Tough sell. Little bit. When you have a 25-minute contest, all five rounds are completed, and you want all five rounds and possibly even a 10-8, I have to go check those scores. What do you do? But if you have a better idea, I'm all ears. Brandon Moreno, Kai Car France. Guys, those dudes are good. I mean, can we can we just stop there? Should we just stop there? I can't make you be interested in them. I can't force that. There was a rumor many years ago that the 125-pound division was going to be sold. Allegedly, the way the story will go, by guys like Dave Meltzer, who will repeat absolutely anything they hear without confirming it, Henry Cejudo saved that. Took that back of the divisions here to stay. Now, in all fairness, we have had some really interesting guys come through. What Moreno did with the tie-in to first Mexican-born chip, big deal. What Figueredo did, just by having interesting hairdos and sunglasses, right? But I mean, it was still something within the division. And now you've got Kaikar France. And I must tell you, Kaikar France versus Moreno is a rematch. The first time they fought, they were both very unpolished as comparison to the hair now. Not to mention it was a close fight. I'll just give you an example. Moreno won the fight. But if you look at the stats, Kaikar France did more and should have won the fight. Now, however you want to score that, right? Because it comes down to damage and not necessarily do, who did more. But it was 62 strikes for Brandon Moreno, uh, 78 
effective strikes for Kaikar France. Fight went to Moreno. Unpolished, here we are to get it. I only set that stage because most of us don't know that. I was unaware of this and had to be told on social media, at which point I had to log into my Fight Pass accounts and go watch the fight. Full admittance. Now, they were great. They were two great guys. The only thing I don't want to happen, and this is just Chael the fan, I don't want to see Moreno versus Figueredo again, and I won't. I won't. I, I couldn't watch their third fight, right? I already seen them out there for too many times. This is for me. They then went and did five more. Now they're going to be scheduled for five more rounds. I'm not going to be part of it, but you don't want to be. I went on Twitter because they did a face-off afterwards. The face-off was painful. The face-off guaranteed they won't be a main event. But guess what? People on Twitter pushed back on me. One guy said, the fight sells itself point blank. Another guy asked a question, Chael, is it okay with you that all I care about is the fight? I mean, he doesn't care about the drama. He doesn't care about the talk. It's not my opinion that that fight's enough. The first time they did it, it was a main event. They've done it two times since. It has never returned to the main event. That's a very fair point for me to bring forward. It's also an analysis that you can't get anywhere else. Nobody will bring that. And I don't feel that you, you should push back on me. And I don't feel that somebody that's on Twitter, when I tell them I'm going to make a post-fight show and I'm accepting questions and they ask me a question, is it okay if I just enjoy the fight? Sure, that'd be okay. But you don't. Because there's no fight on Twitter. And the post-fight show that I referenced that you submitted your question for, there's not a fight here either. But you're watching, and you just got your question answered, and you're going to ask one next time too, but you also just learned something about yourself. You don't just care about the fight. So these two decide they're going to have a face-off. And Moreno wants to appear to be a nice guy. Now he openly lets the world know, I'm not, I want to look like one. He tells the world. Here's Davidson, here's what I'd like to do, but my daughter's at home watching and I want to set a good example for it. Fair enough. I thought it was a little weird to telegraph that what you're about to say is completely insincere, but fair enough. But what example did you set? You're a bloody, partly dressed cage fighter setting up another bloody, partially dressed cage fight. If the example was how to be the best, that world championship, that big, beautiful gold belt, which represents the second one that he has, an interim and an undisputed. If the example was how to be the best and go unnoticed, which is very hard to do. But if that's the example, they've succeeded. And again, before you flame me and tell me what a jerk I am and tell me I'm alone and tell me I should go watch WWE, before you do that, how about we agree that it's not an opinion? We agree it's not an opinion that I am telling you now they botched that spot. But if they get a main event and you told me I'm wrong, you win. I come back and I apologize. But if they don't get a main event... 
a world title fight going into the fourth meeting that just had an organic face-off on pay-per-view. If they don't return to a main event, you admit that I'm right, the spot was botched, and the only example set is what not to do in the business of promotion. Smith, Uncle Lai. Now, guys, more was happening here than I think you were aware. I, I really do feel that this was a bigger match. Now, I don't know if I'll ever get proven right. In fact, my final analysis is that I won't in this regard. That was the number one contenders match. Now, make sure you understand. In our business, when we say a number one contenders match, the strongest we ever get is this is being considered for. I know it's not the words that we use. We say this is a number one contender smash. It's being considered for. And that's about as good as you're going to get. And sometimes you'll have one of these matches, but it's not a semifinal. In that, two guys fight, whoever wins advances fights for the belt. Well, no. A lot of times it's being considered for, and it's more if this guy wins. You understand what I'm, I'm talking about? And I only bring this up because everything was right for that to be. Okay, there's a reason that Glover Teixeira versus Yuri Prohaska have agreed to fight after producing not only an upset, but the single greatest fight the division has ever had, but it wasn't booked. There's a reason that Jan Blahovich was said to be the number one contender, had a commitment from the champion on social media, was brought to the next event for a cameo in the front row, and the fight hasn't been booked. And that reason... No conspiracy, it's just that this fight was being considered. Now you look at Uncle Liev, okay? Rank number four, that's a good ranking. Fresh blood in a division, that's an important thing. How important is that to Prohaska as opposed to uh, maybe facing Glover or somebody that he knows or familiars with? Uh, that would be a personal question. I'll just share for you that Uncle Liev being ranked number four, being on the streak that he's on, having the beautiful record that he has, that would really be looked at. There was something about the fight. I can't say better than that. There was something about that fight from the time they walked out to the time they're headed back to the locker room that was a miss. It could have been the announcers. It could have been the crowd. It could have been the style. It could have been a combination. Something was a miss. And if you're being considered for a number one contendership and you go out and you have a match, and you not only win every minute of the fight, you stop the fight. You are now the number one contender. Unless something was amiss. And I can't tell you better than that. I think Uncle Live is a very good choice. I don't think that decision can be made tonight. I think you're going to have to wait about a week. I think you're going to have to have a media cycle. I think you're going to have to have a digest. I think you're going to have to let the rankings come out. What is that, Tuesday morning at 8 a.m.? I think you're going to have to have some people lifting up and talking about the parody. And at 205 pounds, Jan Blahovich, Uncle Liev, and Glover Teixeira have no understanding whatsoever that the three of them are now in a fight. It won't happen in the cage. It will happen for headlines. It will happen for the mandate of the masses, the single most important thing that you must have. They don't know that they're competing. 
Joe Rogan asked Uncle Live after the fight, and this was the big clue that he's not now the number one contender. Joe Rogan's got an earpiece. Something came to him that told Uncle Live, your next fight is going to be a top contender's match. Maybe Joe just said it. That's definitely possible. Maybe he didn't. Maybe that's what was said to him. And that was the way of giving the message to the audience, who has heard, much like me, that with a win, Uncle Live would be fighting for the belt. And when Joe did say it, whether it's an earpiece and a plant or not, when he did say it, Uncle Live did not demand the title shot. He asked, what do I have to do? How many more do I have to win? That's not a demand. When Glover Teixeira, Jan Blahovich are not fighting for something any better than you are, you've got equal footing. It's not going to be about them. It's not going to go to the second floor of the UFC. It's going to be turned over to you guys. The difference is these three competitors don't know that. They don't know how to do this game. Glover asked for the fight with a question mark, not an exclamation point. He asked for the fight and he put a question mark. Jan Blahovich also made one statement by Twitter. And now, through an interpreter, Uncle Live is talking about how many more do I have to do? So what's going to happen at 205? I just think it's interesting. I don't think this is a bad thing, by the way. I don't think there's a ton of you that are Uncle Live fans that want to see him in there, quite frankly. I think there's a lot of us that notice what, what Glover did. Boy, that was interesting. And not to mention poor Jan Blahovich. He had a promise from both Glover and Yuri. That promise isn't now worth anything. So this debate is going to be ongoing. My final analysis when this was over is Anthony Smith made a comment in the ring, I broke my leg. Joe Rogan told the world Anthony Smith broke his leg as opposed to Anthony Smith thinks he broke his leg. Anthony Smith says he broke his leg. Why does that matter? Well, we don't know if the leg's broken. And I just go back to the night of the closest, dirtiest, best welterweight championship fight I have ever seen to this day, which was Colby Covington versus Kamar Usman. Dana White historically would go to the press conference and make that rematch that night. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it because a rumor that turned out to be false was going around, but it had gotten to him that Colby Covington had broken his jaw. So Dana doesn't know now what the recovery is, what the commission is, what the suspension is. When can he get back? It's one of those things. So you got to be real careful with a guy's injuries. Be real careful self-diagnosing. And you got to be real careful telling the audience. That's just my opinion. I'm not coming down on anybody. But I am sharing for you, going into this fight, rumor of number one contendership. I want to correct that. It was considered for. We'll see where that consideration goes, considering Uncle Live got the final say, and I guarantee you Glover and Blonde are going to do nothing to stop that. And as far as Anthony Smith, hope he gets well. Hope he gets better soon. Went out, fought a good fight. Forced Uncle Live to fight. Went out, mixed it up, stood his ground, traded shots. Something's wrong with his leg. He's at the emergency room, and we're certainly thinking the best one. Well, Jake Paul, guys, I mean, look, there's a lot on this. There's a lot. Where do you want to start to unpack this? Now, I beg Jake Paul. I beg Jake Paul who listens to me. He, he must not respect enough what I have to say. He hears it, though. He shared that with me. Hey, I listen, I listen to everything. I begged him, Jake, don't do the Tommy Fury thing. 
Not only does Tommy not want that fight, neither does the community of boxing. They're setting you up. They're setting you up because they, the community, are just as scared as the boys in the locker room that you're as good as you're saying you are. And the community does not want to have to accept that an outsider who did not start this as a second generation the day he came out of the womb can be a main event in a box office draw. They just don't want to. They're going to talk you into Tommy Fury. And the second you say yes, they're going to start tearing you down so that your loss looks magnificent and your victory looks small. I begged him. He went after Tommy anyway. Okay. Tommy does what we promised would happen. We promised this. These aren't guesses, guys. You'll never meet a mind in the sport like me. The only one that could go head-to-head with me is Google. Nobody could tell you the history of the sport. I'll tell you how Jack Johnson's first fight was. I'll tell you who his 10th fight was. I'll tell you how we round in the fifth round, and I'll tell you what arena it was in. Well, you're turning to your granddad saying, who's Jack Johnson? You don't go head-to-head with me. These aren't always opinion. I understand these things. Now, Top Ramen Jr., Tried to pull a scumbag move. That's on him. That's his strategy. Some people aren't going to like it. I don't like any time you don't honor your deal. Jake has agreed to pay you. He's agreed to put you at Madison Square Garden. He agreed to put you on top of the bill. He has control over all three of those things. You think on fight night he's going to say we're the first fight of the night. We're going up at 7 o'clock just because he has the power? It's very relevant. Top Ramen agreed that he was going to come in at 210 pounds on fight night. He's going to weigh in the day before at 200. On fight night, he's going to weigh 210. Now, fight night, when you report to the ring, he's got seven, eight hours. He can get as big as he wants. But this is what they agreed to. And it was very serious and it was very important to Jake. Jake was taking this on short notice. Top Ron was a lot harder opponent than he wanted, but a lot bigger opponent than he wanted. He agreed to it anyway. Here's his conditions, which were agreed to. Now, this was going to represent the single greatest media opportunity that Raman ever got. It was going to represent the single biggest opportunity he's ever going to get unless he defeats Jake and could get a rematch. It's going to represent the biggest paycheck that he's ever seen and that he ever will see. I know we don't like to talk about money, guys. I know that makes things uncomfortable. But when you're fighting for a prize, when your resume and your education isn't beautiful, when you haven't interned at the right companies, you don't have the right connections, it's a pretty big deal. Particularly if you're going to have a family and this is your role, you go find some money. Overnight success guy is going to be a millionaire. Now, turns out the New York State Athletic Commission, which none of us were revealed. None of us were revealed this information. It turns out that New York is going to monitor Top Ramen's weight. It turned out that he weighed 216 pounds the day this fight was signed of which gave him about, it was 25, 26 days, a little bit less than a month, to, to make weight, down to 200. Now, I'll put that in perspective for you, just so you understand. Not shining my own wheels, I'm just putting myself in here because I know. If I weigh 216 pounds, and I'm hydrated, I weigh 200, I get a phone call, not expect, I'm 216 pounds. To get down to 200 pounds, I would need, I would love five hours. If I didn't, I just, I gotta do it right now. I would have that done in three. I'd love five. He had a month. Now, he doesn't understand the game, and he's not as mentally tough or as disciplined as yours truly. That's just fair. But he still knows how to get weight off. So he weighs 260 pounds the day the fight is signed. New York comes in and and wants to check up on him. He weighs a little more than 215. 
He did not lose an entire pound. Now, he was told by New York and he was on a dissension plan. He knew they were coming and he knew what he needed to weigh. He had not lost an entire pound. So New York says, we're not going to sanction this fight at 200. Not with one week to go. We're not going to let you lose 7.5% of your body weight. We will do this fight if it's at 205 pounds. I don't know why they came to that conclusion. I really don't because that weight, it's not, but they did. So Jake Paul says, fine, I don't like it. 205 pounds it is. It then and only then gets revealed to us from Top Ramen's own camp that he was going to double cross Jake from Jump Street. He was going to come in at 250. He was never going to make the 200 pounds and he wasn't going to make the 210 pounds. He was going to weigh in at 215 pounds. Now, there is an ability to do that. Is there an ability to then get that sanctioned? We'd have to look further. But there was ability to do that. There was going to be a financial burden. You were going to leave there with no money. And my guess, by the way, that's the way it's being reported right now. My guess is that he was going to come in, he was going to miss the weight. They were going to find him, he wasn't get the money. And then and only then when the house is sold and the popcorn's being popped is when he reveals to them, honor my purse or I don't walk through the curtain. Now that is a trick that has been pulled many, many times where a fighter will agree to something and never pull out. They will show up in all sorts of violation and they will tell the promoter, you put this in my hand right now or I don't walk through the curtain. You go in there and you tell this sold out arena, you tell your pay-per-view audience that you could have produced the main event when I'm standing right here or pay me. Now, I know you guys haven't heard those stories. I'm telling you now, that trick is as old as the day is long. And I predict for you, that's what Raman was going to do. Either way, that is a very dirty move. And Raman has now cost the entire card. They have canceled the entire show. Everybody is going to get hurt. The promoters have lost. This is millions of dollars. I know the fans are thinking about the fighters and the guy that really needed that. How's this guy going to pay his rent next month? Look, those are all really fair questions. Well, there's other people that are involved. Whether whether they're big brother that you, you think it doesn't matter or not, they've lost millions of dollars. It's gone. Can't recoup it. You can't get it back. Now, I must share for you. To watch the boxing community as scared of Jake Paul as they are. You see now why Jake turned to MMA guys. This thing is canceled. Jake could have called Tyron Woodley, and Tyron would have gone and done a third fight, just so you understand. He could have called Ben Askren, and he would have gone and done a third fight. I don't want to get into how much you guys wanted to see it. I'm just sharing the significant difference. And when you look back at the disappointment that all of us had, When Dana White, who was thinking about getting into boxing, came out and said, I can't fix it. This thing is a mess, and I'm not moving forward. You now see the mess. I'm sure boxing events have been canceled. I'm sure you've heard of a smoker or something down at the YMCA, the track or the dog park, that the plug got pulled. I haven't. In my life, I have never seen a main event fall apart. I've spoke to this to nauseam. Because in MMA, we have guys that call in sick all the time. Guys that miss cards all the time. They don't make that walk for whatever reason. And I've told you, that is a MMA MMA phenomenon. The sport of boxing doesn't have that. You will not find a main event in the history of boxing that has pulled out. Good news for boxing. Bad news for boxing. There's no such thing as a boxing card. There's no such thing as a night of fights. 
there's a match. So when you lose that match, you're screwed. You're really stuck. If Rahman or his team, it is a whole team effort. I mean, the whole team thought that this was a good idea. The whole team knew New York was coming in. The whole team knows however they were going to shake this down and what they were going to do to Paul at the last minute. If that team thinks that somehow you can put a Band-Aid on this and a million-dollar payday is going to be out there, they're wrong. There's not a promoter out there or an honest businessman of any level that's ever going to get into bed with you again. Your days of main events are done. If you had a main event coming up, it is now gone. If you had another million dollars coming to you, it's gone. No one's going to do business with somebody that pulls it. doesn't matter if you pull it on their competitor. You go double-cross Coca-Cola, PepsiCo doesn't sign you. You go crash the Chevy into the wall, Ford doesn't go, that's our guy. So Raman Jr. that has a financial obligation at a minimum to himself, I don't know his personal life, at a minimum he has it to himself. has blown his entire career. He has blown his entire reputation. I went down a hole of watching Raman Jr. not long after this fight was signed. I was blown away. I thought he, I thought he was very good. The things I was hearing and who Jake Paul's going to pick as an opponent and it's another easy fight. I said, man, this one's not. This one's not an easy fight. Guy weighs 216. He's got to get to 210. A month out, didn't know he had this event coming up, so he's not even in shape. He gets to come 210 fight. Like, this weight isn't even an issue. I respect and understand why Jake did it. He took a little bit level of precaution, but he followed the golden rule, which is the show must go on, and he tried to keep the show going. But how many times are you going to do business with dirtbags? You answer the question. I'm not here to answer it. You tell me a time in boxing history that an event has been canceled because somebody in the main event pulled out for any reason. I haven't seen it before. The boxing community is deathly scared of Jake Paul. But boxing fans and supporters should be fully behind him. He is the hero of this story. He is the white knight in shiny armor. He is the one who came forward. And the community that doesn't have control of themselves the boys in the back can't get control of this one guy. This one guy is going to ruin it for everybody. Nobody has a problem with that. Nobody's going to complain. They think that was okay or they understand it. You guys do with that what you want. Just lost a show. Just lost an opportunity. Three months prior, we lost a whole entire organization that Dana White was going to put tens of millions of dollars in. And now you see why. All right, guys, I've had it with you all. Thank you for listening to this special pay-per-view reaction show. Remember, we do this on Sundays after the biggest event. So we're going to do this again after UFC 278 next month. Right now, I'm headed home, but I'm going to be back on Wednesday with more UFC 278 talk. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.